Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Love for God and His Word are solid indicators that a person is genuinely saved. You know, let let me ask you a couple of questions here. What is your interest level in God and in His Word? Do you find yourself hungering for God? Do you find yourself desiring closeness with God? You know, um, what, what about your prayer life? And, and I'm not talking about rub-a-dub-dug, you know, rub-a-dub, thanks for the grub kind of prayer. I'm talking about where you really engage God. It's so critical for us to come to God and to, to truly seek a, a connection with God, to to really want to become close, to become intimate with Him. You know, and it's if that desire isn't there, if that hunger for God isn't there, that should be a huge red flag if you believe yourself to be a Christian. You know, I've told you before that I am, I am genuinely concerned for the lack of evidence of salvation in so many people who come to church here. You know, um, it concerns me that there are people who attend church here regularly who actually just show no desire for God, no no desire for uh, intimacy with God, no desire for, uh, you know, a, a hunger for God's Word. They're just... They're just kind of indifferent about that. They go to church, but, but that's really all that, that's taking place. You know, I hear reports far more than I want to of people who are a part of this body who are hateful to, to each other, you know, who, who speak evil, who, uh, you know, there are people who have told other people that they shouldn't come to church here, that they're really not wanted or really not welcome. You know, that, 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 there's no room for that in the body of Christ. You know, um, if someone has been saved by the God of the universe, how can they be like this? To be indifferent to the very words of God or, or not even care whether they're having fellowship with Christ. You know, and, and again, don't believe for a second that it's normal not to desire Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you should be perfect, but, but it's not okay to not want closeness, to not want intimacy with Christ if you believe yourself a Christian. You know, there, there are people in this room right now who think that just by showing up, they're living the Christian life. And I'm here to tell you that is not true. Jesus said, if you keep on obeying what I have said, you truly are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
The Apostle Paul said in Romans 7, in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law. Uh, David wrote in Psalm 119, uh, just I'm going to read several scriptures that are just kind of linked together. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged because I have observed your teachings. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your regulations, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your commandments, I have understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. Being a spirit-filled, born-again Christian is a full-on, all-out commitment. It should, it should take every ounce of your life, every ounce of your commitment. The Apostle Paul wrote, My dear friends, you've always obeyed when I was with you. Now that I am away, you should obey even more. So work with fear and trembling to discover what it really means to be saved. God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey him. Today, I want us to, to look at Peter's words uh, to believers on how to develop an authentic hunger for God and for his word. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and every um, and all slander. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, did your mother maybe ever tell you not to eat candy or other junk food because it would spoil your appetite? Well, this is what Peter is doing here. What Peter is telling us is that before you can hunger and thirst for God, you have to quit ingesting. You have to get rid of the junk that, that suppresses your appetite for God. First of all, Peter says, and, he, and understand, he is speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, or Peter says, put away or lay aside. It's the idea of stripping off or of rejecting. Let, let that idea sink into you. You know, we, we are to aggressively get rid of the sin that is in our life. And, and too often, honestly, we don't reject our sin. The fact is that we pamper our sin. We, we love our sin. We embrace our sin. But Peter names the, 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 the kind of the, the categories. He says, all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. So let's spend some time breaking these down so that we have kind of an understanding of what Peter is trying to tell us. Let's begin with the first one, malice. It's the idea of wishing harm on someone else, to, to wrong them. 
It is, you know, it, it's your garden variety wickedness. Um, you know, if you dislike someone, you, you harbor ill will toward that person. Now, it's interesting that he follows malice with deceit. So this is kind of how it plays. You don't like someone. And so, you know, the, the reality is, is because you don't like them, you can care less whether they drop dead or not. And when you, but the thing is, and this is where deceit comes in, you see them here at church and you go, hey, how are you? Oh, it's so good to see you. I, I was thinking about you this week, you know? <laughs> and, and so what you're doing is you're being a liar. You're being deceitful because you're pretending that you care about someone that you actually don't care about. Deceit is also the same word that they use for baiting a fish hook. It's the idea of treachery. You know, it's cunning, it's dishonesty, it's falsehood. You know, it's deceit, it's to mislead. Now, if you take malice, and, and again, malice is the idea of bitterness, it's anger, it's rebellion, it's hatred. It's, it's something that sits inside and there, it seethes and simmers. And, and you paint a smile on it and you act falsely, you hide it, you're hiding what your true thoughts are. Well, that's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy means that you're being insincere, that you're pretending to be something else. You know, what this is describing is any behavior that is not genuine. You know, it, it's, it's the idea of saying, oh, I love Jesus. I just don't like you. You know, <laughs> you know that, that is hypocrisy. You can't love Jesus and hate somebody at the same time. You know, it, it cannot happen. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm trying to peel the, peel the scab off so that we can understand that when we're fake, when we're running around all smiles, but on the inside is hostility, that's, that's lying, that's, that's malice, that's deceit, that's hypocrisy. And that has no place in a Christian's life. Now, at this very moment, some of you are thinking, well, wouldn't you rather I fake being nice than telling you what I really think of you? Well, my answer would be no. I would rather you obey the Bible and that you strip off your malice and your deceit and your hypocrisy and that you serve Jesus Christ like you're supposed to. That's the right answer, not to continue on in living a fake way. You know, let, let's quit making excuses why we are either unwilling or unable to conform to Christ. The Apostle John said in 1 John, the one who says he is in fellowship with Christ and yet habitually works against his brother in Christ is in darkness even until now. The one who loves and unselfishly seeks the best for his brother lives in the light. He does not hurt the cause of Christ or lead others to sin. But the one who habitually works against his brother is in spiritual darkness and is walking in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. 
Let's understand the gravity of what is being said here. If you are living a dual life, you know, on the one hand, you come to church and you're all smiles and you're all, oh, I just love Jesus and I just like being here. And, you know, and, and you act Christian while you're at church and while you're around church people. But when you get away from here, you're a different person. You speak differently. You act differently. You, you behave differently. Then you are, as John says, in darkness. It means that you are an unsaved, unregenerated, unregenerated individual. You know, you, you know, being in darkness is Bible talk for you're lost. And if you were to die, you would go to hell. Understand that. Quit being content to live this double life. You know, you and I are are in a, a situation where if we don't walk according to the Bible, we need to understand. You know, Peter goes on now and says to reject all envy and all slander. Well, again, envy is the idea of you, you resent somebody else. And it, it's the idea of you, you don't like them. And so anything good that happens to them, you're like, oh, that. Damn it. You know, or or when they get positive attention because they helped in some situation and you didn't get mentioned, it's like I'm I'm just not going back to that church because they don't. You know, that's the kind of stuff that's being dealt with. Believe it or not, people in this church have been attacked by other people in this church because they stepped up and they helped out in a ministry. And people said, oh, look at that. They're, they're, they're just doing that because they're glory seekers. Good grief, you know? This is the kind of nonsense you'd expect from kindergartners, not from adults who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. Now again, envy is present. And what's going to happen is if a person is allowing envy to be in their life and to, to, to be a, a strong point in their life, it's just a matter of time before they can't keep their mouth shut and they're going to say something hateful about that person. That's called slander. And, and again, this is what this is the progression. A person who is jealous, a person who is envious of someone else can't keep that to themselves. And so they're going to begin to say hateful things about that other person. They're going to, they're going to say little side snide remarks. They're going to do things. And, and that's called slander. Now, what grieves me here is that some of you, as you're sitting here hearing this, hearing what I'm saying, instead of repenting, Instead of realizing that it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, what you're doing is you're thinking of all of the other people that need to be hearing this. You know, uh, we need to hear this garbage about ourselves. Put away, strip off, get rid of, become aggressive to, to strip away the malice, the deceit, the hypocrisy, the envy, the slander, the garbage 
that we allow to hang around in our lives. Now, this list here is not intended to be exhaustive. He's not saying these are it. There's nothing else to worry about. He's just saying, understand, this is all in a bucket of, of meanness, in a bucket of sin, and recognize that this bucket has all kinds of garbage in there. Deal with it. Get it out. Quit allowing it to sit around. Now, we've kind of chopped and hacked our way through the hard part here. So let's spend some time now on the, the rest of this. Let's move to the happier portion. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If you are a child of God, you must be in God's word. It is not an option. You need to be a student of the Bible. Some of you may know, some I know don't, that I used to do child abuse investigations for the state of Texas. And one of the issues that I used to have to be called in on and, and investigate was where a child had been diagnosed as failure to thrive and when the doctor would tell the parents, these are the things you need to be doing to, to correct it, and the parents didn't follow up and they didn't do what they were supposed to, then I would get called in to, or you know, my department would get called in to deal with it. A very common issue in children, in infants that were failure to thrive was that the child was being given soda to drink rather than uh, formula. And why you ask, Will? Because it's cheaper and because of bad parenting. You know, that, that's pretty much it. And it was really fascinating. It is really interesting because the child would very quickly become addicted to drinking soda and they would actually reject the formula in preference to drinking the, the soda. And when I would talk with the parents and say, why do you keep giving your child soda when you know that it's not good for them and you need to be giving them formula? And you know what the answer would be? The child likes soda better than formula. They won't drink the formula, but they will drink the soda. Well, needless to say, soda in a, a baby causes huge health issues. You know, they, it would cause cavities on the teeth that were already coming in. It would cause rot, you know, tooth rot, gum disease. There was unhealthy organ development. There were all kinds of issues. And certainly, if not treated, failure to thrive babies would die. Now, many Christians, and I'm going to take that back, most Christians are very much like this. Instead of learning to feed on the word of God, the milk of God, we have become addicted to the garbage that the world is feeding. What am I talking about? We fill up on TV. 
We fill up on social media. We fill up on music that is un ungodly. We fill up on movies that are ungodly. Uh, we, we fill our lives with every form of trash that the world can pump out. And when it's suggested that we should give all of that up and instead feed on the milk, which is the word of God, Oh my goodness, the consternation, the, the squalling, the unreasonableness. But the baby likes soda better than formula. You know, that's where we are. You would not dream of giving up all of that garbage that the world is feeding you and go to a diet of the Word of God if it cost you your life. That's the reality. That's where we are. You know, and, and as a result, we are spiritually failure to thrive. I knew of a, a teenage girl. She was very much overweight. She, she, she was a very big girl. And yet, when she went to the doctor, she was diagnosed as being malnourished. How can you be very fat, very heavy, and be malnourished? Because you eat all the wrong food. And again, spiritually speaking, many of us are spiritually malnourished because we feed on stuff that doesn't feed our souls. We feed on stuff that, that is unhealthy, that is ruining our lives. You know, have you ever had a doctor say, if you don't make some changes, you're going to die? Well, hear me. Spiritually speaking, if you don't make some changes, you're going to die. You must learn to long for God's word, the pure spiritual milk of God's word. You need to read the Bible. You don't need to be reading books about the Bible. Get into the Word of God. Now understand, your taste buds have been ruined. Your taste buds are all messed up. You have fed on the junk of the world so long that you are addicted to its garbage. And so you are going to have to develop the discipline the will, the desire to quit feeding on the garbage of the world and begin feeding on the Word of God exclusively. You know, just as you would have to learn to eat differently if you had Crohn's disease or a gluten intolerance or something like that, you, you have to understand that it's, it's time to get serious about the Word of God. Break free from the junk. You know, uh, this is the most important part of my message here. Please hear me. To become hungry for the genuine spiritual nourishment and the growth, it must arise out of a, a honest, sincere understanding where you reach a point where you say, I am sick of my life. 
I am sick of the sin in my life. I am sick of of just falling on my face constantly, where I'm constantly living uh, with with sin in my life. I, I hate it. I'm disgusted by it. I don't want it in my life anymore. And as long as, as you're not there, it's going to be real hard to stick to what you need to do unless you're sick of your sin and you want Jesus more than anything else. Nothing's going to happen. You're going to just continue to plod along. You're going to continue to feed on the junk. Paul said in Philippians 3, nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have given up everything else and I count it all as garbage. All I want is Christ. So back in Peter, he says, like newborn infants, Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Understand that your salvation is a living relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a one-time event. Back here, it's, it's like marriage. A marriage has a beginning point, but it continues on. When you accepted Christ, when Jesus came into your life, that was the starting point. That wasn't it. That was just where it began. And for the rest of your days on earth, you are in a growing, developing relationship. Now, if your relationship with Christ is not growing, if it is not developing, then there is a problem. It is, it, there is a sickness. There is something broken or it doesn't exist at all. Understand that. Don't, don't think that because you walked down an aisle once upon a time, or you prayed a prayer once upon a time, or you joined a church, or you, you did something that somehow that made you saved and that's it, you don't have to do anything else. That's not what the Bible teaches. It is a process. It is, it is an ongoing thing. Now, verse 3, it says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Notice that word there, if. If means that there is a conditional clause. The condition necessary for what Peter is saying. If Peter's audience, which includes us, had in fact experienced the goodness of God. What exactly does this mean? Peter is talking about salvation here. Salvation is the result of God being good to us. Ephesians 2, God saved you by His grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is having an eternal relationship with God. Salvation is being accepted by God, accepted into his presence because of what Jesus did on the cross. Salvation is being able to come to God as your father. Salvation is having God's spirit living inside you so that you can live the life that pleases God. Salvation is being set free from the sin that enslaves each and every one of us so that we are able to live a righteous life that pleases God. 
Salvation means living a life to serve God rather than serve Satan. Do you understand that you are serving one of two masters? You are either a born-again Christian and you are serving Jesus Christ, or you are an unsaved person and you are serving Satan. Period. There, there are no in-betweens. You people say, well, I'm free. I No, none of us are free. We are either in the service of God or we are in the service of Satan. Period. There is no middle ground. We, if you, you know, salvation means that you will spend eternity in the presence of God worshiping him. You know, people have gotten really stupid ideas of what heaven is like. You know, heaven is sitting on the back of my truck fishing, you know, and drinking a beer with my buddy. That's not heaven, folks. I, I'm sorry. That is not heaven. Heaven isn't a country road. Heaven isn't sitting on a cloud strumming a harp. Heaven is standing or bowing in the presence of holy God and worshiping in the hymn. And when we've been there 10,000 years, it's only as if we've just begun. You know, that's heaven. Heaven is being in the presence of God. What makes hell, hell? Not being in the presence of God. That's what makes hell so horrible. Because the presence of God is withdrawn. If you consider yourself a believer, a follower of Christ, you must be in the Bible, studying the Bible, craving God's word. And when we give ourselves to God, that hunger becomes natural. You know, um, verse three, again, what, what Peter is mirroring is Psalm 34, verse eight, where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Peter's telling us that just as a healthy baby craves its mother's milk, so any believer needs to long for, needs to have this, this consuming desire for the word of God to passionately want Christ in their life. You know, again, if you believe yourself to be a follower of Christ, you've got to have a hunger for God. Now, what happens is, you know, we allow sin into our life. We eat spiritually junk food, which ruins our appetite for God. And so we have to get rid of that garbage, get rid of the slander, get rid of the malice, get rid of all of that junk that is in our lives so that we can develop a naturally healthy appetite. And... So, the, the, you know, the reason Peter is saying this is because if you have indeed tasted that the Lord is good, that what he's saying is if you have indeed been saved. Well, what does it mean to be saved? The first thing we need to understand is that God is good. He is holy. He is righteous. We are not. Humanity is sinful. We are broken. We are rebellious. And because of the sin that is in our life, we are separated from God. We are, we are, you know, there is a chasm. There is a break between us and God. We can't do anything to reach God. 
Not a thing. You can try all your might. You can be the best person that ever lived this on this earth. You can be, you know, a member of every church. You can do whatever you want. You're not going to ever measure up to God's holy perfection. So God made the way, not us, God. God sent himself in Jesus to die as the sacrifice that we all have to have. And Jesus died on a cross for me. He died for you. He died for anyone who will believe in him and accept him. And by this, this is a gift of grace that God extended to us. Now, I was having a conversation just between church and Sunday school about the fact that grace is only really understood when we understand how holy God is and how unholy we are. And when we understand that, we're going to understand that God's grace is huge. It is magnificent. It is, it is all consuming. And so God, by his grace, has extended to us sinful people the gift of salvation. The only thing we can do is accept it. All we can do is say, yes, I believe Jesus died for me and I want him to, to be my savior. And so I accept that by faith, by trusting what Jesus did. Now, please understand, if this does not describe you, if this doesn't line up with your understanding of what it means to go to heaven and to, to have a relationship with God, then by the Bible's definition, you are not saved. You are not going to heaven if you were to die. This is critical. You know, this is, again, I come back around to as you know, I am concerned for people in this, this body of believers who show no commitment to Christ. We must come to God on his terms, not on our terms. You know, if a person is truly saved, then they will have experienced or tasted God's goodness. What is that again? Salvation through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Again, I'm just going to read 1 Peter 2. Put away all malice, all deceit, all and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Summing it all together, get rid of, strip off any wickedness, any dishonesty, any insincerity, jealousy, you know, any of that garbage that is in our lives. If you are a true follower of Christ, look at your life and where you see sin in your own life, attack it, get rid of it, become hostile toward the sin that you see in your life. See it for the vile hatred toward God that it is. That's what sin is. You know, if a person is diagnosed with cancer, they don't go, oh, Hmm, okay. They, they attack it. You know, they, they take treatments. They do surgery. They do things to get rid of it. Well, you know what? 
Sin in your life is far more damaging than cancer could ever be. It will cost you eternity. Go after it. Deal with it. Attack it. Do not sit by idly and say, it's okay. It's not okay. How do you do it? You go to God's word. You find in the Bible, and right now, each and every one of us have sin in our minds. And we, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You have sin in your life and you know those sins. So you go to the word of God and you look up in the Bible where the Bible teaches about that particular sin. And you study the Bible, you read it, you, you get those verses and you meditate on them and you get them inside you. And, and, and you begin to, to allow the Holy, the Holy Spirit to deal with you in those areas of sin because you're using the word of God to and applying it to your life. And so as you begin to see that, you're going to have a new perspective and you're going to be able to break free of those sins because the Holy Spirit is giving you the ability to do so. And as you get victory over that, you're going to be filled with joy. You're going to experience the elation of the Holy Spirit being victorious in your life. And, and God will continue to bring sin up for you. And, you know, that, that's not going to ever stop. But you're going to understand more and more how God can set you free. And what you're going to feel, what you're going to discover is joy. Jeremiah 15 says, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Let's pray. God, you and you alone are the answer to the struggles that we have. None of us is perfect. None of us is, is righteous. The only righteousness we have is in Jesus Christ. I thank you that Jesus, you were willing to die on a cross and therefore cover my sin with your blood. I'm not a righteous person. You are. But I am covered in your righteousness. And I thank you for that. My prayer is that today you will help everyone in this room to be honest with themselves before you. And God, where they fail, where they fall short, help them to, to see that. Not, not as a, a bad thing, but it actually is a good thing to understand you have given us the gift of, of freedom. You have given us through grace, salvation. Help us, Father, to accept the gift that only you can give us, freedom from sin and hunger for you. Thank you, Jesus. My prayer is that you will be victorious in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.